0: Radio
1: This is the rundown. Philadelphia's local news podcast. I'm Jay Scott Smith. Today is January 5th, 2022, and tragedy struck the city of Philadelphia this morning.
2: I don't have the words for how we're feeling right now as a community and as a department.
1: Multiple people dead. In a massive fire inside a row home in Fairmount, and a number of victims being children.
2: This is, uh, without a doubt, one of the most tragic days in our city's
1: history. It's a story that's left a neighborhood and an entire city in shock.
3: A bunch of us were just here watching. We came downstairs, and sure enough, there were flames
1: immediately just pouring out of the second floor. Now, after this fire, officials here in the city of Philadelphia are left with just the painstaking task of having to sort out what exactly happened here.
2: We plan on and intend on getting a cause for this fire. We plan on making sure that this tremendous loss of life did not happen in vain. Right now, this is being recorded
1: at 1 o'clock on Wednesday afternoon. And even as new information continues to come in, and our reporters are still out in Fairmont right now, here's what we know about this devastating fire in the city of Philadelphia. Philadelphia. This is how the breaking news sounded on KYW News Radio just after 9:15 a.m.
4: Breaking news on KYW News Radio. Deadly fire in an apartment building in Fairmount. Firefighters and police are on the scene at uh, North 23rd Street near Brown, about a block from the Eastern State Penn. Now, police tell us this is a fatal fire. They have not said how many people have died in the flames in uh, this building in Fairmount. Uh, started uh, just after six thirty this morning.
1: Now, that was KYW's morning anchor Ian Bush. A few minutes later, KYW News Radio's crime and justice reporter Kristen Johansson was on the scene at the intersection of 23rd and Brown. And this is what it sounded like in real time, as everyone was still trying to get a better understanding of just what exactly was going on at this moment.
5: So, Ian, we do have sources confirmed that more than a dozen people uh, are dead in this fire here at 23rd and Brown Street. What we know is that it was uh, a house converted into apartments, police say. Uh, a lot of people are standing around. This is one of those row homes uh, that that everybody sees in Philadelphia. It's closer, I want to say, um, to Brown than it is to Parrish, but there are two ladders up there. It's a row home. Uh, there's three uh, floors to this row home. Um I'm trying to look, and it's pretty somber here on the street. Um, there's three floors of the row home, and there are two ladder trucks that are right there in the middle of the street with uh, investigators going in and out. Uh, very somber mood here. I do see some people that look like residents that may be nearby. We are hearing that it could be uh, public housing property. We don't know the cause of the fire. That's going to take a while to investigate. Um, but again, a very somber mood here uh, on 23rd and Brown Street.
1: And over the next two hours things only started to get worse as more and more details started to come out. There were 26 people in all in that three-story building. Half of them died. Two of the victims were taken to a local hospital. Eight people in the building were living on the first floor alone. These are just awful numbers. They're just stunning numbers. And Kristen did an interview with a resident who was at the scene as all of this was unfolding.
3: I'd say about 6.30, I just started hearing screams. and, and, and I thought maybe it was just, you know, them. living in Philly, you have people all hours of the night, morning, screaming. Sometimes it happens. Um, but it kept going, and so it, I guess uh, the whole block must have woken up.
1: Now, KYW News Radio's Hadass Kuznets was also on the scene, and she actually caught up with a witness and a resident who was a former firefighter. And he had this really sobering perspective on all this.
0: As a, as a former firefighter, you have a fir- first hand experience of what firefighters go through when they come across a horrific scene like this. Uh, what is the kind of debriefing process or the recovering process uh, like after an incident like this?
3: Well, after this, it's just I survived it, then it's I'm glad it's not my kid. I, I see a lot of guys, they take it personal because they, they, they see their own, they, they, it's like. It's their own child that has passed, and it's really hard on them. And the recovery period, it's going to take a while. These guys are going to have to sit down, they're going to have to reevaluate, you know, whether they really want to be a firefighter. If that's some of them, most of them will will say, you know, this is, I'll
6: keep going. But for a lot of people, this is in their blood. And as a neighbor, what are you thinking?
3: This is the second fire that has happened within the last two months in this neighborhood. The first one was bad, and it was at 22nd of Paris, and then this one. So it's, uh, it's, it's kind
1: of scary. This was a scene that everyone just seemed to have a difficult time processing and wrapping their mind around. I mean, children. So the obvious question is, how could this have happened? How'd that fire start? Where did it start? Why was there such a devastating loss of life? Why were there so many people in the house? Well, as of right now, on Wednesday afternoon, many of us have these questions, and we don't have answers. Philadelphia Mayor Jim Kenney arrived at the house just shortly before 10 a.m.
2: Please keep all these folks and especially these children in your prayers. It's, losing so many kids is just devastating. Keep these babies in your
1: prayers. And he was also joined by City Council President Daryl Clark.
2: To say he had a loss of words is uh, an understatement. As the mayor said it seems like. Just punch you in the gut the children the people in the community It's just it's just tragic just praying for the family
1: praying for the block this brings us back to the voice you heard at the start of this podcast Philadelphia first Deputy Commissioner Craig Murphy he explained as much as he could at this time
2: it was a ter- it was terrible I've been around for 30 35 years now. This is probably one of the worst fires I've ever been to. There was heavy fire, and this what, what would be for them the kitchen area, the front of the uh, the front of the second floor, and then it was an open stairwell to the third floor. So the only thing that was slowing that fire down from moving was was nothing slowing that fire down from moving. That, that fire was moving.
1: Now we've since learned that the building was owned by the Philadelphia Housing Authority. And there were four smoke detectors in that building, but none of them were working. Now the PHA says that they were working when the building was last inspected back in May. That was more than six months ago. And as of this recording, we don't know exactly what even started this fire, but authorities are still investigating it. KYW's John McDevitt was just a few blocks away at Bache Martin Elementary School, where people who had escaped the building were taking shelter and getting care from the american red cross along with waiting to meet up with families
7: uh, just a few moments ago uh, there were screams and people crying and holding one another as more family members gather here uh, to meet up with uh, their other friends and family members i spoke with the mother and uh, the cousin of two boys who escaped they are in the hospital they say uh, one of the children has a, uh, it was burned on uh, their arm. The other uh, suffered a burn to uh, their head. Um, just a very, just uh, really like walking on eggshells, Denise. The emotions are just one minute people are laughing and consoling, and then all of a sudden you'll hear a scream or the people just embracing one another. Just kind of people just standing around. Uh, just waiting,
1: waiting to hear uh, any news. You might know this from listening to a few past episodes of The Rundown, but our midday anchor, one of our midday anchors, my co-anchor on Philadelphia's Afternoon News is Michelle Durham. She's covered firefighting extensively throughout her career and has actually been trained as a firefighter. She's an honorary Philadelphia firefighter herself, and she joined Ian Bush live on the air this morning during the portion of their conversation that they talked about the logistics of fighting a fire and how this investigation into the fire might proceed from here.
4: Michelle, we know row homes pose significant challenges.
0: It certainly does. It's such a tragedy, Ian, on so many levels, especially when you have a three-story middle of the row with what we call exposures on either side, which is homes on either side to protect, and of course, homes in the back, and it's a densely populated area. So just even getting fire apparatus to the scene is a challenge that Philadelphia firefighters excel at every single day. So you have engines and ladders in in both uh, the front and the back, and you have firefighters attacking from both ends and then the roof uh, to vent. And unfortunately, so many homes um, in that Fairmount area are no longer single family dwellings. You have converted into apartments and that poses a significant challenge um, for firefighters because they have to identify and rapidly get in and extricate as many people as they can. Um, so these are all the challenges facing firefighters. And I just also wanna mention the emotional aspect too before I hand it back to you. This is very difficult. These men and women have trained to save lives. And when they... Get into a situation like this where there there are lives so that they can't save. That does take a toll, and this is a job that will stay with them for a very very long time, no
4: doubt. And you mentioned the logistical challenges, mm-hmm. just getting the fire trucks, the engines, uh, down these narrow streets that are often, uh, you know, they're they're uh, bordered with cars on either side. They and they're do it enough.
0: every day, and yeah. it's amazing. And keep in mind that tiller, that ladder, that that back seat driver has to turn the wheel the opposite way the front of the the ladder is going. Um, And it's just so much of a high level skill. And these are men and women that have trained. um, You have significant hose line. You have holes in the roof to try to vent out. The goal is to bring people down the steps if at all possible, rather than a ladder for safety reasons. So that's why they cut holes in the roof and vent and get all that out. You pour a stream of water out the windows to drive all the smoke out to try to clear the area to bring people out. Also, when you walk into a building you can't walk in you have to crawl in like a baby and that smoke is so packed down you can't even see your hand in front of your face you have to keep contact with the wall at all times with one hand and search with the other and search with the tool and keep track of one another you've got one firefighter chief's aide outside doing accountability making sure every single member of the fire department is accounted for and everybody knows where everyone is it's a complete system
4: we search for answers after tragic events like this. Um, perhaps we, we go too quickly to, you know, how, how could this happen? But really, we want to know because we want to prevent loss of life for other people in similar situations. There are so many of these uh, row homes in Philadelphia. Uh, how does an investigation like this begin?
0: So it will be a multi-pronged investigation. As KJ described, you will have Philadelphia police involved, but we will also have, of course, the highly skilled fire marshal's office in the Philadelphia Fire Department and most likely the ATF arson task force uh, will also be there. So you will have a multi-pronged approach, um, an investigative approach. They will find the source of the fire, they will find the cause of the fire, and then they spread out from there. Um, And then they will determine, you know, what was at fault. For those listening, I cannot stress to you enough. How important it is to have a smoke alarm on every level of your home. And for those of you who live in densely populated areas, North Philadelphia, uh, Northeast Philadelphia, South Philadelphia, please consider having a fire ladder under your bed. You know, the kind that attaches to your windowsill so you can climb down that smoke. That's what really kills you, too.
1: Now, that's obviously... Advice That's worth listening to from Michelle Durham. It's just an incredible perspective. This is a tough episode to do. And at this point now, I'll welcome in Sabrina Boyd circa and Brian Seltzer. This is a difficult story to talk about. And it comes as we're dealing with so many other things in this city with the longstanding issues with the crime. We've just come off to one of the most violent years in the city's history. We're just five days into 2022. This happened and we're still creeping up on the two year anniversary of the covid pandemic. And now this, what is going on and what are you guys thinking as this entire thing is coming together in real time?
6: Jay, the work that I've been doing lately, even this podcast, is pre-produced. There's only so much we can do as far as live coverage on podcasts. But today was the most that I ever felt like a live news reporter because Brian and I were listening to the live coverage, pulling clips of the press conference of our reporters as they were in the streets in real time. It was right down to the wire to get into the studio today to actually record this. And I know that things are going to still develop while we are editing it. I mean, the, the vibe in the newsroom is so tense and so somber. And it's we're all doing this work and just doing it rapidly and at the same time not really saying much because there is not a lot to say when you see a tragedy of this extent.
3: I think, guys, one of the pieces of content that's going to stick with me from all of this is a photograph that was taken by Alejandro Alvarez of the Philadelphia Daily News and Inquirer, and it shows Jim Kenney in a face mask, leaned up against an SUV, down jacket, hands in his pockets. You can't really tell if his eyes are open or closed, but his head is up against this SUV, and he's just like... His head pointed straight up to the sky, just anguish, uh, sadness, disbelief, like all those body language cues right around him. You can see some of the red lights from a fire truck that's off in the background. Um, Pretty incredible and telling picture. And it's just, it's been a tough stretch all over the place, all over the world. But this is just another thing that's really, really sad and unfortunate for the city of Philadelphia. And listen, we might not know at the time of the taping of this podcast exactly why this went down as far as how the fire started, but even listening to Michelle Durham's coverage on the air today, um, if you know about fighting fires and how fires spread, you know how the crisis itself goes down and what people who are trapped inside experience and go through. And it is pretty unimaginable to, uh, to think about yourself being in that spot where, uh, you may get to a point where there's no way out and uh, and you're helpless. Uh, it's terrifying.
6: You also can think about, I think this hits kind of close to home for a lot of people because this is Philadelphia. We've all seen and maybe even lived in a house like this, one of those duplex row homes that's been converted into two units. That's almost what I'm living in right now. So to imagine that kind of building with 26 people in it and 13 of them die in this fire— It's it's frightening. And it you know, I'm going to have a good conversation with Michelle Durham to make sure that this doesn't happen in my home. And yeah, we're all kind of waiting with bated breath, I guess you could say, to find out if we can figure out what happened and make sure that as many people as possible are safe at the end of this.
3: Guys, something that Jim Kenney said really stood out to me, and he spoke about the number of people during his news briefing on Wednesday morning, the number of people who were inhabiting and in the house at the time that it went up in flames. I mean, 26 obviously is a really large number and something that catches your attention. But I thought it was really important and worth noting that Kenny explained that who knows the circumstances under which and reasons why people were in that house. And I think that if you read between the lines, you can understand what he was saying. He was saying that it's a cold time of year. You don't want people on the streets. It's important to have shelter, a roof over your head, to be indoors, especially this week when it's so, so cold out. So I think that uh, there's a lot that we still need to find out about this. Um, but for me, I thought that was worth highlighting. Um, Jim Kenney talking about um, possibly the
1: circumstances why that many people would be in a house. You want to make sure that, again, you listen to KYW News Radio on the air at 1060 a.m. and 103.9 f.m online here on the Odyssey app and at kwnewsradio.com and of course on all our social media feeds for all the updates because all of our reporters got this covered from just about every possible angle and we want to make sure that we have this whole thing hammered down this show is produced by Sabrina Boyd circa and Brian Seltzer the director of podcasting for KWW News Radio is Tom Rickard. I'm Jay Scott Smith you can follow me on Twitter at J Scott Smith. It's Real J. Scott Smith on Instagram and Facebook. You can hear me every day on KWW News Radio, 103.9 FM, 1060 AM, and on the Odyssey app, starting at 3 o'clock for Philadelphia's afternoon news. You can be sure to follow The Rundown on Twitter at TheRundownPHL. Again, TheRundownPHL, all one word on Twitter. Listen for free on the Odyssey app or just about wherever you get your podcasts. We want to thank you for checking out this edition of The Rundown.